In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And today on the podcast, I am happy to welcome Bethany Lewis. Bethany is a wife, mother of six, neurological occupational therapist, and certified life coach. She has combined her passions of occupational therapy, brain health, and mental and emotional well-being into a concussion coaching program to help people suffering from post-concussion syndrome speed up their recovery and gain control over their lives again post-concussion. Bethany has a podcast aimed at bringing light, understanding, and hope to people dealing with continuing symptoms of concussions. Bethany loves the gospel, spending time with family and friends, playing her flute, and going on walks. She could talk about the gospel and or coaching all day long. And she gets to talk with us for the next 30 minutes. So welcome to the podcast, Bethany. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and so excited to be talking about these things that I love so much. So I am really excited to talk with you today because I've had two of my boys have had concussions and one has had three. So I am very interested to hear about just everything that has to do with concussions and healing and whether or not we did the right thing. Like even still, like, is there, you know, how long does the healing process take? And is years out, is there things that you can still do and all of those things. So when I saw that you were going to be on today, I'm like, oh, I have so many questions for Bethany. It's all about me. No. Perfect. I love it. Well, that's the thing I've seen that it's, it's concussions are not talked about, but it's something that uh, whenever I bring it up that I do this, almost everybody's like either I've had a concussion or someone that I know and love or my kids or yeah, somebody that they know has had a concussion at some point and there's always questions and it just, yeah, I'm excited to get word out because I feel like it's something that really needs to be talked about more. So I'm excited to talk about this. I am, I am so grateful that you agreed to come on and talk about this and brain health in general, I feel like is it's sometimes a taboo subject, whether it's, you know, emotional disorders or, or, you know, anything from anxiety, depression, ADHD, dyslexia, learning disabilities, autism, it's concussions, like anything with the brain, I don't know. And, and how it relates to us and our emotions and, and, and social adaptation and all those things is still kind of a taboo subject. Why do you think that is? I wish I knew. I think that it's probably just a lot of, well, actually, I have some ideas. There's a lot of baggage, right? Like over the years, I think it's been something that's been taboo. And so people are starting to talk about it more. And I think that's really good and really important. But it's hard to talk about. It's really vulnerable. You're letting people in. If you you bring it up or talk about it, it's talking about really hard things that cut to the core of who you are and what you are dealing with. Like, I, I did an interview a couple weeks ago with a, a husband and a wife who the husband had gotten a concussion. And it was when I talked, my friend was the wife and, and we talked about it and she was really hesitant and kind of nervous, but felt like she should share this because from her perspective as a, as a caregiver or spouse, her, there was so much personality change and so many like problems in their marriage that were coming up because of this. And that's something people don't feel comfortable talking about usually. So I was really grateful for her being willing to open up and talk about it. And then it was really interesting. Her husband heard her side of the story and it brought up a lot of stuff for him and he wanted to share his as well. And it was really, really good. They were both, they're, they're amazing people, but yeah, it's, it's raw. <laughs> it's hard yeah. it's to talk about. 
that is amazing. I can imagine that was a really healing experience for both of them to be able to talk about it and and how brave of your friend to be able to open up because I feel like one of the best ways we can learn is just sharing experiences and stories with each other, which is why I love this podcast so much because I just get to talk to people about their life experiences and lessons they've learned and then people listening that maybe have gone through something totally different, but the experience or the lessons or there, some takeaway they can get from that is, oh, I can relate that to my life. And it's so powerful sharing our stories. I mean, it really is. So really I, I think that's amazing that they were able to do that and, and that you were able to gain insight and kind of help and coach them through that. So let's talk a little about how you got started as a neurological occupational therapist. I, there's lots of different occupational therapy. I've taken several boys to occupational therapy before. So tell me about how you got started in that career. And, and if you, did you immediately go into the neurological part of it or did that come, did you do speech therapy? Like how did you get started in that and why, why neurological occupational therapy? Yeah. Thanks. So it's actually really funny. I, when I first heard of occupational therapy, the first time I can remember hearing about it was in high school. I had a friend who knew that that's what she wanted to do. And I really don't think that I understood properly what it was because I was like, what is that? I've never heard of that before. And all that I got out of her explanation, which I'm sure was much better than my interpretation, but I, all I really understood was that she was going to help people hold their spoons as they were eating. And I was like, that's really fun. Have fun with that. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> um, and then I didn't think about it again until I was on my mission. I served my mission in Australia and I was visiting a home of a member. And while we were there, these two people came to work with their, her baby daughter and and one of them was an occupational therapist and she was playing with this baby but in a way that was helping the baby to meet her developmental milestones and it was like very intentional and I was like what is this <laughs> tell me more you get to play with babies and get paid for it this is the best thing ever and you're helping them too like it was just the more I learned about occupational therapy the more I was like just like lit this fire in me I was like this is all of the things that I really love and care about combined into one and something that was attractive to me about it was that it was so broad. You could work with babies in the NICU all the way up to people in like hospice care. You can, I could choose a, a subject without actually having to choose something because it was still so, there were still so many options. I had issues with <laughs> making choices. So that was perfect for me as well. Um, and so anyway, so yeah, then I, I went into occupational therapy and most of my career has been spent and mostly in skilled nursing facilities. I did a little bit in pediatrics and a little bit in home health and things like that. But it's been a really huge blessing for my family. I, I've been able to work. We've lived all over. We even lived in China and I was able to get a job there. <laughs> we can, I was able to work as much or as little as I wanted to and support the family and get some opportunities to improve myself and, and help people. Is It's been a huge blessing. And so, let's see, it was probably about six oh my gosh, no, closer to eight years ago, we moved um, back to Utah and I was working at a facility in Provo and I, one of the occupational therapists who just kind of was a fill-in OT, he would come in every once in a while. He told me about this brain clinic that he worked at and I was fascinated. Every time he would come in, I'd be like, okay, tell me more about this place you work. And then he told me one day that they were looking to hire an OT and I was like, sign me up. And so that's where the neurological piece came in. <laughs> I started working at this clinic called Cognitive Ethics in Provo, and they they work on concussions specifically, but but they've treated other neurological issues. And their their approach is very unique and very effective. And it it just it's been really really exciting for me to be a part of that. I really love seeing 
the changes that people are make and people are able to get from going to the treatment there. And anyway, that's that sparked all of this <laughs> concussion stuff going forward. That's that's where I learned about it. Wow. So tell us a little bit about. Well, I have so many questions for you. Let's start with the occupational therapy part. You said you kind of work with all ages and 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 you've seen, right, like people from young to old. What 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 tell us about a time that you were working with someone that you were like, "Okay, I can see that this is making a difference and changing this person's lives like and and helping this person." Like share maybe a personal experience or story that you feel comfortable with where like in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is where I am supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. That's, I, I love that question. Let me, let me think for just a second. Cause there have been a lot of times I love, one of the things that I love about OT, especially in the, the clinic that I work at now is that it's, it's one-on-one and it's, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of my, as being a missionary, like you go in with a purpose, people know what they're there for. They know what you're there for. And they trust you because you have this, you're there to help them <laughs> and, yeah. and they're willing to be open and vulnerable. And they just kind of, they just share what is real for them. And then you can make that connection. And it's a really beautiful thing. There've been a lot of instances of that, that I just love. But one of the things that has been most impactful for me, if it's okay for me to switch the, your question around a little bit. Absolutely. Is, yes. Um, the way that my, my patients have impacted me has been very meaningful for me. I, there have been so many patients over the years. It, in occupational therapy and, and any, you know, therapy or helping profession, I think you're, you're working with people who are going through sometimes some of the hardest things they've ever experienced. And so you get to see the human condition, which is raw. <laughs> like you see, you see the hardest and the lowest and the saddest, and you see the most inspiring and beautiful and uplifting light-filled things. And it's, it's very impactful. And there's just, I can tell you about one patient in particular. I remember I was working, this was early on in my career, but I was working at Salt Lake Regional Medical Center. And there's this lady, little old lady, <laughs> I don't even remember what she, what she was in for, but she, she had one of her fingers had like the tip of her finger like died. And I don't remember, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember details, <laughs> but, but it was like black and it was, uh, it was disturbing to be honest, <laughs> but, but she, she really loved the piano and she she was just the best example to me because she was she would go and she would play the piano and just not use that one finger. And she was just so grateful. She was like, I, I love I love that I can still play the piano. It's so important to me. And this makes such a big deal. It's such a, a difference for me to be able to do this. And and it's OK. I my only problem is this one little finger and I can still play like her perspective was so beautiful. I was like, you were my favorite person. <laughs> she was so sweet and just her gratitude was so inspiring to me. <laughs> there have been, I mean, that's just like one instance of so many people who were just so inspiring. So I really, I loved, loved, loved my career in OP. <laughs> oh, well, and I, I'm so grateful for occupational therapists. My oldest son went to occupational therapy when he was really little because he had kind of sensitivity to food and he was allergic to everything when he was little. And because of that, had a hard time eating food and and different textures. And so I I got to the point where the pediatrician I was seeing at the time was like, he's just picky. He's just a picky kid. And he was 18 months old. And I'm all, this doesn't seem like he's picky. Like he's not eating. And I I nursed him up until I was pregnant with my second child. And I, so I was nursing and pregnant at the same time. So I'm like, he's not eating solid food. Like he 
very, very few things will he eat. He'll spit them out or they'll make him break out in a rash. Like that doesn't seem normal to me. That doesn't seem like picky eaters. It seems like there's something else. So I actually switched pediatricians at the time and found an incredible doctor. His name's Dr. Mumford, who listened to me as a mother and was like, no, that is something else. I bet he has a food aversion because of his allergies. And so food scares him because if he eats it, it makes him sick. And so he doesn't like to eat it. So he'll store it in his mouth and won't swallow it because he's like, I know it's going to make my tummy hurt or my skin break out or be itchy. One of his first words was itchy. And that be so sad and itchy because it was just food did not. He was so, he said, take him to an allergist, a food allergist. And he was tested. I mean, it was eggs and wheat and dairy and nuts and basically everything you feed a child. I mean, chicken nuggets are breaded in, you know, yeah. and, and noodles. And so it was like rice noodles and coconut yogurt and and fruit smoothies is really what he lived on until he was like three years old. And and then we took him to an occupational therapist and she like, we are going to help him just know. And he's just this little baby and it's my first. So I'm like, what's normal and what should he be doing? And and I was scared and, and worried. And there's always this perception of like, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? You know, there's something wrong. And, and, and getting help can be like really emotionally vulnerable of like, my son is different and he needs help eating food. Like, who would have guessed? And, and it, it was really emotional for me as a mother. And, and so, but taking him in there and seeing how much they cared about my son and about me as an emotional mom was, was so impactful for me. And I remember they had like this little scratchy toothbrush and they like, you know, go up his arm and then they touch it to his lips. And what does that feel like? And then they do like a little cotton ball and they're like, we're, we're not even going to have him eat anything. We're just touching it to his mouth to know these textures are okay. They're, they're not scary. And, and now he's 15 and eats, you know, everything. And, and, and <laughs> thankfully thrown out of every allergy except for the peanut allergy and can eat everything. But, but just the, for me to be educated on the neurological impact of his brain saying, this is dangerous, don't eat it don't chew it while it was amazing that at a young age it could tell him this will hurt you and that instinctively that's the behavior that started when he was little and so it was just it it was such a great learning experience for me and to just help me not be judgmental to of other people and what people go through and occupational therapy and, and just I don't know I just I have to put a plug in for anyone that's struggling with sensory issues, eating issues, and, and whatever it is in whatever age. And and there were times like when as he got older, it was like, oh, that's a new food and a new texture. I would go to occupational therapy with him again. We're like, let's just do this. Let's just have a refresher. Remind your body it's safe to try new things. It's safe to put these things in your mouth. And I'm I don't know. I just have I'm I have such gratitude and would say to parents listening, don't be afraid of it. If you feel like your child needs it, go check it out. Like they're there for your child. There's so many resources available and there's like hope at the other end of it. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. I, I love the hope piece. That is very, very important for everybody. And and I love what, what you pointed out about how it's his, his brain was trying to keep him safe. And that's something that I've been learning a lot more about in the more recent past. I've done a nervous system resilience class and just really really been learning a lot about how that's the brain 
purpose. <laughs> it was to keep us alive and doing things, right? And so if if it senses danger, it's gonna it's gonna try to stop you from doing whatever it is that you, it thinks is going to be dangerous. And and it's what it perceives as danger, not necessarily what actually is. And so that's yes. where the therapy comes in to like, okay, let's find, let's train your brain and help you to figure out. And that's something that happens a lot with concussions as well is people's nervous system gets dysregulated. They have dysautonomia, which is where that autonomic nervous system is dysregulated and it will, it will, it will do some crazy things and make people, it, one of the things that I hear all the time is people say, I thought I was just crazy or like I questioned myself so much. Like I, I didn't know if this was real or like, it didn't make sense that this is something that could be coming from a brain injury, but, but this is what I was experiencing. And anyway, that's, the brain is How, amazing. It, it, the brain really is. And, and I'd love to switch and, and talk about concussions in particular now. So I, I have, I've had one son that's had three concussions when he was little and they, they happened really soon after each other. We realized he, some people are more susceptible to it. You, you get a hit and then the more you get, it's almost then the more susceptible you are. And it, it's this perfect storm. How soon do symptoms typically show up? Can they take years to manifest? Is it typically within the first couple of weeks? Like what if there's a parent listening? They're like, oh my gosh, my son's had a concussion playing sports or, you know, doing whatever. What if he has a brain injury that I'm unaware of and that I don't know is happening? And, and then is there hope like years later? Let's kind of talk about the process of the concussion and what that does to alter the brain. Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. This is one of the things I'm very passionate about is getting information about what concussions can actually cause because I think there's a lot of times that people have a concussion and don't realize it or they they attribute what they're dealing with to something else because it can be sneaky and and it doesn't necessarily show up immediately a lot of them can so typically there's so with a concussion what is what's happening is your brain is moving inside of your skull and and getting jostled and the the small tiny little blood vessels in the brain are getting interrupted and so the neural pathways that have been well established are all of a sudden not getting the nutrients that they need and and the brain is amazing and figures out other ways to accomplish the tasks that are not no longer being able to be done by those initial uh, neural pathways. And so then it becomes this, it just, it gets very fatiguing. Like the, the system is not working efficiently and, and it can be, it can be very impactful and impact people's functioning. But with a, with the concussion immediately, Sometimes people will have, you know, headaches and nausea and dizziness and all of those kinds of things that you would expect. And then I'm going to share some of the things that people don't always necessarily think of in relation. Yeah. But but typically within if those if those symptoms don't go away within like two to three months, if you continue to have symptoms or continue to like have new symptoms coming up, that can be that's what they call post-concussion syndrome. And so there's it if it's lasting long then then you're dealing with post-concussion syndrome which is different so some of those those symptoms can be the same from the beginning and and continuing and you can get other symptoms along the way so things to look out for are again those the headaches and there's so many different kinds of headaches and ways that they can show up sleep disturbance so either difficulty going to sleep or difficulty staying asleep or sleeping all the time and never feeling rested decreased attention and focus. And that's something that I don't think people always recognize as being related to concussion, but is a very, very common 
symptom and symptom of a concussion. And people will oftentimes get diagnosed with ADHD and just given meds for that because people don't recognize that it was from the concussion, the underlying cause of it. Anxiety and depression are both very, very common. And other emotional things like either I've talked to people who've been way more emotional than they ever were and other people who have like no emotion, that nothing will get them any kind of emotion at all. And then a lot of times people are more irritable and that is related often to the nervous system dysregulation as well. There's visual concerns and reading issues and light and noise sensitivity and brain fog and balance issues and word retrieval, like trying to come up with the word that you're trying to say, memory mm-hmm. issues. Um, social people will pull back from social interactions. They'll pull back from things that they love because it's so overwhelming. And and the fatigue is a real thing too. People like doing things that normally would be nothing for them. It's yeah. all sudden because their brain is working so inefficiently and there's so many underlying processes that are taking up so much energy from the brain. The smallest things can feel completely overwhelming and they'll be they'll be overstimulated. They'll be they'll be out for hours to days. <laughs> so it's wow. He's it, so much more impactful than I ever realized prior to working at Cognitive FX. It's it's a really it's a big deal. <laughs> and wow. it, people who are experiencing it again, they, a lot of times people don't talk about it because they're embarrassed. So they like they can put on a good face for a few minutes in front of people. But even having a conversation is completely draining for them. Then they'll have to go and like sleep for hours. It's it's, it's super interesting. <laughs> and and there is hope, like you said, like I, I want to you can you can find healing even long afterwards. I've seen it over and over again years later. It's pretty amazing. So let's talk about that. How, first of all, how do you know if these symptoms are from a concussion? Are there tests that you can do that can kind of pinpoint, oh, it's from an event and not just some biological, you're prone to depression, you're prone to anxiety. I have a son with ADHD. He was born that way. Like it was from the beginning and he's, he hasn't ever had a concussion. So I know this is what it, but if suddenly my oldest son started having those symptoms from a concussion he had, I'd be like, wait, it's, this isn't who you are. Like this is out of the blue. So how do you, how can you pinpoint if that's what it's from? And then do you treat that differently than you would treat a normal, not normal, but you know, someone who actually was, had a, a, a chemical depression or something like that? How, how would you treat the concussive symptoms versus, you know, a, a, a biological diagnosis or, or a clinical diagnosis, I should say, of something? Yeah, great question. So a couple of things. One, I think following mother's intuition, I love that you have that <laughs> and that's, that's real. And I think that's something that a lot of times people, uh, one of the things that I hear people recommend to each other a lot is keep looking for answers. If you feel, if you can tell inside of you that there's something off, like just find the person who can help you with that thing. Because there's so many times people We'll go to the doctor and the doctor will just say, oh, like your first in- initial experience with the doctor is like, yeah, it's fine. He's, he's going to be fine. Like it's a follow, follow your gut. <laughs> um, yeah. That's one thing. Also, there are if you've had a if you've had a hit to the head or even if you haven't, that's the thing. You don't even have to hit your head to get a concussion. People with whiplash, you know, you can get a concussion from car accidents when you never hit your head or from, you know, skiing or whatever. There's a lot of things that you can do where you're your head just getting jostled around inside of your skull can cause it. So if there's been a time that you can point to like, okay, yeah, that could have happened, then there are tests that you can do to decide whether if that if you've had a concussion or not. And the the plates that I work, cognitive effects, they've developed some scanning, like they do a they call it FNCI, which is a kind of 
functional MRI where you do specific tests while you're in the MRI machine and they, they have that, they can, they can compare to normative data and, and determine, okay, yeah, these are, these are definitely concussion related. So there are ways to tell, but, but I would say generally, if there's, if there has been an incident and you've noticed these things, even if they were there before, but they've gotten worse afterwards, I would pay attention to that and, and look into getting help for that. And, and as for the question of if the treatment would be different, treating the underlying concussion will oftentimes help resolve those other symptoms and issues that are happening. And so there are things to do, you know, in the moment when you have a headache, you can do certain things. Or if you're feeling really tired, there's, there are definitely ways that are not very dissimilar to what you would do if it was like an organic depression <laughs> um, yeah. or, or other issues that you might be having. There are things that you can do to help with those in the moment. And, but, but dealing with the underlying concussion is going to make the biggest difference overall. That is so interesting. And so it's like an MRI scan and they can kind of see what, how the brain is reacting to certain activities and then say, yes, this looks like it was from a certain episode versus, you know, I guess normal data versus someone that has had a concussion. That is so, it's amazing to me that that kind of, you know, technology is available. So does the age at which you get a concussion matter and how the brain is develops. If, if you get it at a younger age, is the brain more resilient? If you get it at an older older age, is it harder to recover from? Does that play into recovering from concussions? That is a really good question and one that I don't feel like I have a super good solid answer on. I I will tell you my guess. <laughs> I think that that young brains are more resilient, but it was it's still like kids can have concussion symptoms that last. And so it's still important to be paying attention and and knowing what, yeah, like noticing what's going on for them. But even people who, you know, who are in the older years who've had a concussion, there's still definitely hope for recovery. And like you said, if you've had a concussion before, you are more prone to getting one again. So it's yes, important to be careful. <laughs> yes, careful. I know. And that's what's so hard is that when I have four boys and it's, I mean, literally I posted on Instagram, like, during COVID times, isn't that, wasn't that a weird time? That was such a weird time, but we were all stuck inside together. They took all the mattresses off the beds upstairs and would jump off the balcony onto the mattresses. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, like, and, but I did get it on film, like a good mother I am to keep that memory. It was lot. There were lots of padding. Don't come after me. There was lots of padding, but things like that. I just, it's boys. It's they're, they're outside, they're wrestling, they're throwing the football, they're jumping off couches. They're doing, and my son, my, my second oldest son, Beckham, he has had, like I said, three concussions. And the first one he got when he was little, he was just jumping on the couch with his older brother. And they both went to sit at the same time and they cracked heads. And my oldest son and his big, strong noggin didn't even phase him. And like, Oh, that kind of hurt. And my second got a concussion. Yeah. And that first time was scary. He was, he threw up, he was sleeping, you know, all those kind of typical things that you kind of look for with a concussion. And they say now to let my pediatrician said to let them sleep before it was keep them awake. Don't let them go to bed, you, you right. know, make sure. And now he's like, no, the brain recovers. So that's kind of outdated advice, isn't it? To not let them fall asleep. after? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
And something else that is outdated that I think is important to put out there is to let them sleep for as long, like for days and days and days or weeks. Like people, people are still coming. I hear people say that they were told after their concussion to just go sit in a dark room, you know, put on sunglasses if you're going outside, like just try to decrease the, the sensory stimulation, which is important and good for, you know, the first 24 to 48 hours. Yes. But after that, you really, it's really important for the brain healing to be getting it exposed to things and doing things. And that's, I think, one of the reasons kids are probably really good at bouncing back from things is they are, like you said, they're calm. Keep them down. down. Yeah. <laughs> keep them down. Whereas adults are like, yeah, just let me hide in this room forever. <laughs> but yes. Here. Exactly. But, but the kids are going to go out and do the things that are going to help heal their brain. That is great advice because, yep, it was, it was let him, let him, it was at night. And so they're like, just, you know, wake him up, a, you know, a few times in the night. Just make sure he, he's, he knows your name, you know, like he knows where he is. Like it's not, he's not getting worse. So we, you know, Beckham, how old are you? Free. Okay. You're three. You know, okay. Go back to bed. We'd ask him random little questions and, and, and he, it, I could tell he was just a little bit slower for the days that followed, like just a little, like, oh, I don't feel very good. And then bounce back. And then a couple weeks later, weeks later, he was riding a little push toy up my concrete steps. And I was right beside him. I was right beside him sweeping off our porch. And he tried to ride his toy up. The, and I was, I was like, no, you know, I went to grab him and he just fell right back on his head. This was like six weeks later and got another concussion. And same thing. It was throwing up and sick and whatever. And then a couple of years later was running to say hi to his older brother when he got home from school and he slipped on his backpack and went right into the corner of our armoire. And that was the scariest one. That it, that one was so interesting. He still has a scar. It split every layer of skin, but the last one. So it was like bleeding underneath. It it it, it looked like you could take like your fingernail and just kind of touch it, and it would burst and, oh and split like in half. But then it healed underneath. So that one was really scary because it was he passed out after that one, and it was like when he woke up, it was projectile vomiting. He was confused. He didn't know where he was. So I immediately took him to the ER because I'm like, okay, this is the third concussion. This one, like I called this pediatrician. They're like, go straight to the ER. So we did a CT scan to see if there was a, a brain bleed. And, and luckily there wasn't. But after that, they're like, no contact sports for this boy. Like he needs to, his brain is clearly very susceptible to these. Now that he's had three in the course of a couple of years, you need to just protect his sweet brain. So we're like, no football, no, you know what I mean? No, no soccer, no, you know, fast paced things where he could fall down and hit his head. And that was sad, but he's now 13 years old and, and is doing great. But, but it's interesting that there, there were times when, you know, we'd ask him a question and he'd kind of do this thing where he'd look up into the right and I could tell his brain was taking just a minute to, to process it. And he's very, very smart, but for a little while it was like, hang on, let me just, oh, okay. And then he, you know, and, and, and we knew it would take a while, but I didn't have these resources. I didn't know what to do. It was just it, basically the advice is be careful. It's like, well, what does that, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. So, so what advice would you have given me then? Or would you give me now with a child recovering from a concussion, things to look for, ways to help his brain heal faster? Or maybe are there still things I can do that that can help his brain work at, you know, optimal speed? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So one thing that 
that is helpful to know is, is, and you probably, they might've told you this, but decreasing screen time, especially yeah. when, is, is good. Yeah. So, a lot of, cause sometimes people will be like, okay, go and rest. And so they go and like watch a show, right? <laughs> but it's giving your eyes a rest too, giving your senses a rest. So don't, don't do screens right away. And that um, like, that's like, dub- it speeds it up to an artificial level. And yes, that is what they, they're like outdoor play normal observation of organic life is great but anything fake artificial tv game screens yes it too Mm -hmm. fast it moves too fast really probably for most healthy brains but especially for a concussed one yes that's great advice yeah so that's that's an important thing for early on especially and then you know going forward there's you do want to you want to let them yeah let them rest, especially like we said, those first couple of days and then and then have them start doing things, but pay attention to them. And this is something that I hear all the time that has, is often really hard for people who are going through a concussion is especially and maybe this is more on the adult side. But I think even as kids, like people don't necessarily believe them when they say what they're experiencing. And so just being there with them and and believing them when they tell you this hurts or that that's hard for me for some reason or all of a sudden I feel like really sweaty and I didn't even do anything <laughs> like like there are things that that can happen that that don't necessarily like I said make sense but but believe believe their experience and I think that that in and of itself can be hugely therapeutic for someone just having someone in their corner who who will listen and even if they don't understand they believe that's really important as far as things like to do, do, <laughs> doing like, yeah, like you said, going back and, and getting into things, outdoor things, playing something that that we talk a lot about at the clinic that I work at and that I've, I've seen is really helpful for people is doing high intensity intervals. There's so again, one of the biggest issues with concussions is that it dysregulates the nervous system. And so doing stressing the system in a in a safe and controlled environment and then helping the system to calm down. So you do it, you do an interval, you pump as hard as you can for 30 seconds and then you stop and you oh, let your whole system come all the way back down. You, and there's breathing techniques. There's, you just, you want to like breathe and rest and relax and work on letting the system come all the way back down and then doing it again and doing that like three or four times, like over the space of about 30 minutes, you like, you do that and, and that will, that helps to train the nervous system that it can be stressed and come back down. And it like, it's, it helps to regulate things. Um, so that can be something that's really helpful. And then the breathing, breathing is very important. Um, and a lot of times I think people in general, breathing is a thing that we don't give a lot of attention to, but it can make a really big difference. And I think it's becoming more popular. People are paying more attention to it, which is good, but that is, that can be really powerful to help people calm their system down if you you know if your kiddo is feeling really stressed out or having having anxiety or whatever breathing techniques mindfulness techniques bringing it to the present moment those are really really helpful and important and i'll put another plug in for mindfulness just in general <laughs> but especially for people who've had concussion mindfulness and again that when i say mindfulness i mean being present in the moment if we can make a regular practice of that it it actually not only does it help, you know, calm the nervous system down, help us to with our emotional regulation, but it will help as you it, it will help with the more of the the frontal lobe yeah. executive functioning skills. You'll get better at 
at remembering things, you'll get better at paying attention. If you think about it, <laughs> when you notice that your brain is wandering, your thoughts are going all over the place and you bring it back to the present moment, that is the act of concentration. <laughs> and the better you get at that, the better you'll like that actually improves some of those ADHD kind of things that happen. So it can be really effective and is a really important piece of recovery, I think, and, and dealing with a concussion. That is great advice. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, our physical bodies and our, you know, our physical bodies and, and, and our, and our mental capacities and emotions, everything is so intricately entwined and that doing something like exercise and, you know, can actually help. I mean, obviously it helps every part of our body, but can be so beneficial for our brain. Like that, Mm -hmm. that is interesting to me, like breathing and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. But like doing like high intensity intervals, I never heard that before. So that is, that's really interesting that that can affect it like that. So fascinating. There's so many things that we don't even, I don't know, like even walking on a, a hiking trail versus on a flat sidewalk, like challenges your brain more and it like challenges it, the the brain and body work together. They go both yeah. ways. Well, like challenging your body helps your brain, and challenging your brain helps your body. It, there's it's so cool. There's so much so much about the brain that's just fascinating to me. But one other thing that I want to make sure that I throw out there that is has been really helpful for a lot of people that I've worked with is brainwave entrainment or binaural beats. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it's an yeah. app you can get. You have okay, awesome. You can get it on your but phone. No, but please explain it. Yes. Okay, so. It's kind of a little bit similar to neural feedback, if you're familiar with that. It's, but it's kind of like the cheater's version because <laughs> you don't actually, you're not, you don't have to do anything. You just put these headphones in. And so it's an app that plays slightly different frequencies in each ear. So you have to have, you can't just be playing it out loud. You need to have it in, in each ear. And because it's playing those slightly different frequencies, your brain tries to correct that. And so it brings the whole system down to or up to that that general frequency and so you can get into these different wave like brainwave alpha they, they've got these different ones that that our brains naturally go into but if we're stuck in a in a sympathetic kind of hyper aroused state then it can help bring the system down and it's it's been very effective for people it helps i used it the other day actually and really helped with a headache that i had you can use it to help with sleep you can use it to help if again if you're like feeling stressed out it can help calm the system it's just a really it's kind of like an intense rest break. Like you get benefits from sleeping or whatever without actually having to spend all that time doing that. <laughs> and it's an app that you can download and and listen to. What is it called? Or yeah. lots of different ones. There's different ones. I know that for the clients that I work at really particularly likes the one that's only available on the Apple devices, but there are ones for other devices. If you look up binaural beats, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L, binaural beats, um, that you can look at that. And then the one for the iPhone, I believe is, or like iDevices is Brainwaves 35 binaural beats, I think is what it's called. But it's, yeah, you can look that up <laughs> and, and that can be really a good trick to use. Well, and, and speaking of like bilateral things, I don't know what the, the bilateral like ways of healing does like tapping, bilateral tapping, but like you mentioned hiking and walking and uneven surface and horseback riding and swinging and those things where it's like using, you know, beats and up and down different parts of your body, right, left, right, left. Is that something that's also beneficial along with the sound, like the bilateral 
tapping or the vibrations and beats that you that you put on? Yeah. So if you're, I'm not sure if you're referring specifically to like the emotional freedom technique, like EFT tapping that I have heard very good things about that. I haven't used it specifically with my clients, but I I really want to. (laughs) And I want to learn more about it because I've heard from other people who deal with people with concussions, like coaches, that that's been very, very effective for people. But yes, the doing, doing things. Another one of the things that we do a lot is helping people, um, kind of re retrain the brain using multiple senses at the same time. So so doing things, yeah, either like with your non-dominant hand that you're not used to doing or doing things with both like both sides, tapping to a certain rhythm, like doing things that kind of force your brain to pay attention to your body and what's happening there, as well as visual stimulation and auditory stimulation. It, that that helps to kind of when when the different parts of your brain are being used for what they're supposed to be used for all at the same time, then it kind of, it, it blocks the compensatory pathways that the brain has been taking and it kind of forces the brain to do what it's supposed to do. Interesting. Um, and that, that in and of itself, I think is one of the biggest things that helps people at the clinic that I work out. They, they come in and they get occupational therapy, cognitive therapy, like speech therapy, they get physical stuff, neuromuscular therapy, they get all these things. Some of them are like tapping to certain rhythms, all this stuff, but they do it all day and and interspersed with rest breaks and like the, the binaural beat stuff but the if they're they're doing that that intensely for for that amount of time then that's what kind of resets and retrains the brain and so you know if people are at home or wanting to try to do some of this stuff doing these these things that involve these different areas of the brain again for what they're supposed to be used for all at the same time that can be that can be helpful i'm hesitant to just throw that out there just because i know that those multi-sensory experiences are oftentimes what sets people over the edge. Um, that's what overstimulates them and is really hard and challenging. So you want to do it very carefully and kind of controlled. <laughs> controlled. Yes, and, and probably with the professional's help. Like yeah. you said, they're at a clinic. They're with people that are professionals that can help them and, and, and be monitoring them and see exactly what they need. So uh, if people are listening and they're like, okay, well, I've had a concussion or someone I love has and Maybe they've seen some of these symptoms and are looking for more healing. Where can they go? Like you, you mentioned a clinic that you love and you work at. And where can they go for more information to learn? Do you have like a website or, or an Instagram? Or how can they kind of learn a little bit more about this and see if they can make yeah, the best decisions for them and their family? Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend just as a general rule, find somebody who specializes in concussion. There are so many really good doctors and professionals out there who know a lot about a lot of things, but concussions are so specific. And I hear all the time people getting advice from, again, very like reputable clinics and doctors who just don't know all of the things about concussion specifically. And so look for a concussion specific specialist if you can. And there are there are good clinics all over. The one that I work at that I love is called Cognitive FX again. But the what I am doing as a concussion coach is I basically my I have this program that I've developed to try to help people like a lot of times people tell me they just want a guide on their recovery journey. Like they don't know, like you said, they don't know what they need to. They don't know what they don't know. <laughs> and yes. So, yes. So I, I do a free consultation. I would love people to reach out if they have any questions. But I yeah, I have this program to help people speed up their healing process and get control over their life again with their nervous system, their emotions, their mental like aspect of recovery, all of that. So they can they can find me. I have the podcast is free and it's 
I love it. <laughs> I love like like you. I love talking to people, hearing their stories. That's so impactful. And then I interview a lot of professionals and people who understand concussions. And it, there's a lot of good information on that. So that's called the Concussion Coach podcast. And it's on any of the major co- podcasting platforms and also on YouTube. And then if people want to reach out and have a, a one-on-one with me, they can go to theconcussioncoach.com and sign up there. Or I'm also on at the Concussion Coach on Instagram and Facebook. So Lots of uh, ways. <laughs> oh, that is so great. Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time to educate us on concussions and, and your neurological occupational therapy that you've done. And I, I think so many people, especially if you're a mama like me that has kids in sports, it's, it's almost inevitable that one or more may get a concussion, especially if they end up playing them at an elite level as they get older and contact sports, especially. So it's good education just to know what to look for and what to do after and 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 just get yourself really educated. And maybe you'll decide that it's not good for your child. Maybe if they're really susceptible to them, like my son is, you'll say, hmm, maybe we need to try something else that 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 is better for them and their brain in the long run. So there's lots of there's lots of things to think about. And, and, you know, I feel like we're just always making decisions all the time, every day for ourselves and our kids and there's, and lots of information, but it's good to know that there's so many good resources out there and, and, and ways to just help ourselves stay healthy and, and in the best way possible. So thank you so much, Bethany, for coming on my podcast today and for all the good you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this chance. Again, I do feel so passionate about it. I'm so grateful to get the word out. So thank you very much for what you're doing. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Bethany. I am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good, all one word at checkout, and you get a full month free. So check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com. See you soon.